welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 248. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And happy new year. It's happy new year. Happy 12th night. Of- yeah, 2019. Tomorrow is the Feast of the Three Kings and Epiphany Sunday. Yeah. And we're actually celebrating. My family, we're doing the Feast of the Three Kings tomorrow. Uh, barring the recovery from stomach flu, it's going through some of my family, stomach virus. But yeah, so I, um, yeah, I, I saved presents for the grandkids. And so each of them are getting... Three presents tomorrow, and uh, we're having a good time. Greg Strawbridge, every year at Epiphany, they have like a, they celebrate the feast with like a brunch and a champagne toast. Mm-hmm. And then because it's traditionally connected to the theme of mission, they have the Gideon Bible representative of the area, the Mennonite comes in, and he's never made the connection between Epiphany and what it is. But I asked him, does he stay for the champagne <laughs> toast? No, he does not. He does not. He does no. stay for the champagne He's toast. in teetotaling land out there in Lancaster County. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's He's got former Amish in his congregation. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I haven't, ta- I, haven't, I haven't talked to Greg since I golfed with him. Did yeah. I traumatize him? That and he day? brought Ronald Reagan up and you you hit the ball way to the left. In the yeah. woods. <laughs> and then it was a downhill from uh, there. He's like, don't bring, you said, don't bring Reagan up anymore. I can't just kill him my game. <laughs> if, you ever, if you're playing match play with Bill and, and he t- he pulls ahead, just start talking about Reagan on us. He'll tank him. He'll tank him right away. He'll tank him right away. So yeah. uh, also like we have the government shut down. Fortunately, we do not, or, or unfortunately, but we don't get any federal funding, so we are open. We're fine. That's fine. We are fine. Is there anything, what, what is national bias? I mean, the State Department, I guess, would be, like, where you get your visa, like, where I got my passport recently. I'm sure that's, is that closed? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's, I know that uh, flying may not be as fun, because very soon. <laughs> the TSA, yeah. TSA, people are calling out. Uh, if it's, depending on how long this goes, it is going to, those of you working on your taxes, this could be a problem, so... Uh, yeah. We usually do our taxes really early. Yeah, I might have, I have someone do mine, but uh, and I try to do them early now. I used to not, but uh, yeah, my sister works for the IRS and she's higher up, so she got so she got her vacation canceled, and so she's working without pay. So uh, ju- that's what we need: irritable IRS workers exactly, right now. without pay. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe they'll produce Trump's tax returns. Yeah, I think those are going to have. We're going to see those this year. I think one way or the other. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I think they're going to be out. Yeah. It was shut down with the wall. The wall is not being. Yeah, it's good to see that he he's really dealing with this adversity well. He seems to be yeah. on top of his game. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot of interesting things going on. So we have come up with our host, our co-host for the 250th yeah, wait, celebration. So should we announce or just wait? Let's just sit on it. I don't know. Should we make it anticipated? Yeah, let's make it. All right, anticipated. we'll make it anticip- well, anticipation. So, also, one other thing, I'm going to be in Dallas on. From July 14th through the 16th at a conference. Um, That's the best time of the year to be in Dallas, right in the humid part of the summer. <laughs> February. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought you said July. No, you I said, said July. Did I say July? You said July. Oh, I meant February. I'm I meant sorry. February. So next month. So I know we have some, I know we have listeners in Midland and Austin. Uh, Houston. Houston. But, um, yeah, Houston as well. But I, I'm sure we have some folks. We have a, a lot of listeners in Texas. If you like, when I look on the on the analytics stuff, Texas is like one of our biggest. Big states. So, anyway, I'm going to be there uh, for that weekend and uh, or part of that weekend. 
So um, love to get together, folks. Um, so message me or something, and maybe we can Facebook. You can meet, reach Bill on Facebook. Facebook resident exile, or just me. Just friend him, and yeah. But anyway, love to connect. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so uh, we're coming into the new year, and we were talking about a Newsweek article on the phone that was basically the fear that evangelicals are leaving. The kids are leaving the evangelical church. Right. That was that the gist of it. I think so, and it was, and it was connected. So, what's going to happen to the Republican Party when the young people are no longer evangelicals? I guess the implication was, without evangelicals, the Republican Party doesn't exist anymore. So, I think it was the implication. But you know what's interesting about that? Like in PRI did one of their studies that they did recently showed that while evangelicals are numerically in decline in the wider culture. The share that they hold of the Republican base is the same, right? Like it hasn't diminished at all. So, like, so it's interesting because well, the Republican Party is diminishing, right? That's yeah. what's the other interesting phenomenon. Because I think one of the things you look at Trump, like his numbers are so flat, right? But he doesn't go high, but he never goes as low either as some presidents go, largely because you you have a smaller and sort of more base-oriented party. So you're... That might become, like, a new thing, at least in the Republican side. Like, you might... Republican numbers, if they, if the trends continue and the party continues to shrink, you might have, like, approval ratings that are low but steady. Like, they don't crater and they don't right, right. go up. So... Yeah, almost... I mean, you could conceive... I don't think it'll ever happen here, but you could conceive where... I mean, in reality, we are a three-party system right now, Republicans, Democrats, and independents, even though independents, there's no, there's no banner they fly under other than we're not aligned with a major yeah. political party because it's a very diverse – the independents are a very diverse group. They probably everything from libertarians to never-Trumpers to old-school conservatives to you know semi-socialist people. So my guess is to be independent means you're just – for the most part, you're just dissatisfied with the two parties that exist. But that's not a – it's a. It would not be a monolithic voting block. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I think and and Trump is losing independence. I mean, that's the other interesting yeah, thing. It's yeah. a very. Yeah, it's interesting. So interesting political times. The wall will probably not get built. I don't think. But no, no. I I think. I mean, you know, wasn't there some artist? I can't think of his name, who did a did some sort of portrait, but then it disappeared after they bought it. Did you see? I remember that last month. It was kind of. It's kind of. I, I forget the guy's name. But it was a it was it was a scandal because someone paid millions of dollars for a piece of his art, but you know, in minutes after they bought it, it disappeared. He I don't know what he had done that he created some. Oh sort of, yeah, yeah 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 that's awesome. Yeah, so I think if we could come up with Pelosi can come up with that. In other words, here's your five billion dollars, but the check disappears. So I love when somebody was like, "Would you give one dollar for the wall?" I, I would give one dollar. <laughs> yeah, I would give one dollar for the wall. Yeah, but uh, so now that's so part of what this part of what we. Um, Part of what we talked about was, and of course, you know, in the circles that we run in and, and the various conversations we're a part of across a fairly broad theological and political spectrum, one thing that's a frequent topic is, you know, the decline of the church, uh, the increasing, you know, lack of attendance, yada, 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 all that stuff. And so that got us to thinking about what are we worried about? What do we think are real problems? From a fifty, you said from a fifty thousand foot view, what is it? The thumb, what's really legitimate to be worried about in two thousand nineteen? Ice on the wings of the plane, <laughs> <laughs> or like that's uh, a bad one. Or like in that Twilight Zone episode with William Shatner, 
a little man eating the wing. <laughs> exactly. That's not good. If, you're, if you look out, there's a, there's a foreign creature chewing on the wing. That's worth panicking about. Yeah. At the point that occurs, that's not good. Did you watch also that, I guess, was it on NBC? I thought the premise was intriguing. I never, it wasn't intriguing enough for me to ever watch an episode where a plane disappears. For, oh, yeah. I I'm, I'm think I've seen all but like the last manifest. Yes. It's a pretty good show. I mean, it's sort of, uh, it, it, I mean, everybody's oh, trying to recreate Lost, right. stuff like that. And it, it's a pretty, and I don't know if it's got renewed or not, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I think it's, it's intriguing. It, it, it's good acting. It's an interesting storyline. No, I found I found the storyline fascinating. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like it's a it's a very well done for for network television. It's a very well done show. Now, does it touch anything like Westworld? Of course not, or Game yeah. of Thrones. But it's as network television goes, it's pretty good. Yeah, very good. But so, anyway. well, the fifty thing. Well, okay. So, for starting off, which is we have to just say it's easier right? climate. I mean, because if that's the one issue, if you don't get that issue right, yeah, the whole and it's just that I means funny. Bill Maher did a thing a couple months ago of all these. Fitness gurus with books that died at 68, 70. And he's like, it's because it's systemic, gang. Like, you can't... You can't beat death. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, if the pollu- if it's pollution and food and carcinogen, it doesn't matter how fit you are and healthy you are. You, you, it doesn't... Like, if we don't solve it... And it's also... Right? This is, like... So, it's such a perfect storm problem. Forgive the sort of play on pun. Or, it's not a pun. It's a... I don't know what that is. But... Yeah. But it... it, it it's a perfect storm for human nature and its problems. Like right. we're not good at thinking long-term. Yeah. We're not good at ambiguity. Right. We, we avoid long-term results. Like we're like, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, 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 it like all these things, it's ripe for self-deception and, and kind of confirmation bias. Like everything that makes us like problematic as a species, I feel like a rat is wrapped into climate change. And it's, and I think, isn't it the, the past, the five hottest years on record since we've been met, well, I don't know, when, but have been since 2010. Yeah, yeah. No, it's absolutely, I mean, whether or not you believe it or not, or not, the sea levels are rising. Yeah. And, the, and now, again, let's keep uh, the positive. This could be the bunker, could be beachfront right. property. So we're well, not, the, that wouldn't be terrible, but. The, but the, the rising of the temperature is the problem because that messes up, messes up uh, not only, um, not only the very small, the micro life that all sea animals feed on, or you know, the, the the first the first line of the food chain is in trouble with the heating of that. Um, um, but it's it's so it's so the the problem of climate change is not just that you uh, Miami's underwater every day. That's not that's not part of the problem. The problem is how it's putting a strain on the uh, on the food chain and things like increased of. Uh, Lyme's disease and parasites that used to not be here. That's that creates individual tragedies and it creates certain kinds of of um, strains on already a strained healthcare system. But when we start talking about uh, massive famines and even you know, it's funny. People, futurists predicted this. But I remember reading a, uh, in the early seventies a book written in the early seventies about predicting that um, you know the problem forty years from now, forty fifty years from now is going to be the political instability caused by the discrepancy between wealth. You know, it's interesting, too, because the Pentagon said, like a couple of years ago, was it during the Obama administration, they were in a standing hearing about what's the biggest national security threat, and they said climate change. Because of the migration of people, displaced people groups, the security risks that causes, like, the, you know, like you get dissident groups migrating with it. It's, like right. it's just a perfect storm of... 
and aside from the perfect storms, aside from also, the, perfect storms, yeah, the, the yeah. larger storms, uh, you know, the wildfire problems, the major hurricane, you know, uh, having three five hundred year storms in the last. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. so so, that, can, so if yeah. you get that issue wrong, there's no other issues to fight about. No. Yeah, one thing I think it might be interesting to uh, think about one time, I was reading an article about this. I don't know where I was reading this, but uh, would, would humanity going extinct, would that be a tragedy? I think so. Well, I, it would be a tragedy in the classic sense, because a, cl- tragedy, a tragedy in the classic sense of tragedy is you have the flawed hero who makes the fatal error, right? <laughs> And certainly, we as the human race would be that flawed character uh, that uh, exploiting that, which, exploiting the garden that we were. I'm to, the most flawed character. <laughs> exploiting, uh, exploiting the garden that we we're supposed to tend to the point where it can't feed us anymore. Um, and of course, this is where the disparity between wealth. I mean, you know, all this dystopian. <laughs> I mean, those dystopian worlds in their extreme. Portrayal may not exist, but it already does exist. Uh, that who who gets to eat healthy, who gets to have there's the a great healthcare. Yeah. There's a great uh, sci-fi show that I think Ben Affleck and Matt Damon produced or something. Like they're not in it, but they, it was called Incorporated, and it's like 50 years in the future, and it's like it's exactly the society. Like if you're in the corporate st- sector, you live. They basically the U.S. government exists, but it's like it's only semi-functional. And so oh, basically, you mean like now, like now, yeah. And so it's corporations that basically run, he, run the he world. He says that as a government, yeah, exactly. Shut yeah, down. Exactly. So the government that. right. So like, if you have a good corporate job, your life, you're in the safe right. zone. And if you don't, you're like in this like really awful part where the public sector. It's just like it's 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 and then the Chinese government raises money for starving American children. And <laughs> it's it's just it's a fantastic show. But so what, what were you talking about? Was it something you read about? Um, Maybe it was it was on a podcast you listened to about a novel. Oh yeah, the wall. I just looked it up. It's this novel. It's it's like this island. I thought it was England, but I guess it's just an island nation in in, like in this dystopian future where basically they have a wall to keep out outsiders, refugees, and this climate problems and everything. And basically, the younger generation, like my my generation, I guess would be like the grandparent types, and all the people like the younger generation hate them because like they're like you screwed our world. How could you let this happen? Yeah. And so it's just kind of yeah. So. If you now are like, you know, Gen X or something, and you think your grandchildren, one day your grandchildren are going to love you, they're not. They're going to hate you. Right. I think partially. So the, I, you know, and what, uh, what has forcefully made it worse, would you say, our, you know, this, this problem plays to our worst instincts, is in a postmodern consumer-driven economy, the emphasis is on more consumption, which means, you know, greater refuse, you know, more using of, not less using of, of natural resources, but the more. Oh, yeah. So, and also, it also mitigates against, I mean, it's hard to, the part of the reason there's not a sense, there's enough urgency is about half the population in America uh, doesn't have enough, doesn't have a retirement plan, something like that. I mean, and I forget the number. I was, I was talking to somebody over New Year's Eve, this uh, financial care person. He did a study for it and something like, um, I can't know what the the number is, but uh, it's like sixty percent of the population couldn't come up with an emergency thousand dollars if they needed. Oh yeah, so, my retirement plan is sell my body to science, but while I'm alive. All right, well, there's a plan. <laughs> hey, I'm you know a pen. You know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you, I would do. 
I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? Or more, it's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Zoll, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedian, and Stephen Rowe. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. The other thing, so I think, I think <laughs> the only place, the only way, I, because of my sort of estimation of human depravity, I think the only way we have any hope is is industry, like which is sad because they create, but like innovation and technology, like that, that will, uh, because I just don't see when it, uh, when you can make money off of saving the planet. exactly, exactly when it becomes profitable, when it becomes so, when they can figure out how to make it unprofitable to. Use carbon things that like carbon based emissions and things. Then we'll. I mean, I would have. I'll tell you what. If I, I would love to have an electric car right now. Yeah. Do you think about this? How much of how much in your car is just dedicated to starting that the, the you know the spark right and the gas and the combustion engine starting the combustion engine keeping it cool mm-hmm. and, and and things like that. It's so much of the car. Like so, when you get that part out of the. So then you know, and also it's amazing. We drive on bombs, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's so like. Have you ever been in a car fire? No. Yeah. Uh, well, one, like my car, I had a bug, and I turned the key once, and it was when I was like in college, and it started flames started coming out from the dashboard, and I jumped out, and it didn't blow up, but because the gas tank is in the front. Yeah, I, I was actually went in a car that uh, flames started shooting out the middle. That's not fun. It was not fun. And, uh, yeah, you ought, next time you have They had this thing in South Africa to prevent getting carjacked, where actually if you were going to, they were attempting to carjack, you had a gun. It shoots flames out of this. It's like flamethrowers out of the bottom sides of the car and burnt, incinerates the, yeah. Uh, there we go. By the way, the next time you have John over, my son, he actually witnessed the, the he was following me in a different vehicle and he. I he, remember that. You told me that story. I, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. So I think which, so that's, 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 I think climate change. I think the other thing is, um, uh, social Darwinistic capitalism. Yeah, I think the monolithic. I think the fact that no one quite, you know, and it's not just because I was listening to this podcast, which is amazing, but the idea that there's that um, it, the way capitalism has de-evolved uh, to being merely just a different form of social Darwinism 
it really mitigates against doing well for society. Yeah, I think that's and I, also yeah. under, and I think it undermines my third concern is um, is liberal democracies. I think those are under assault right now. And I think I think actually the capitalism and the and democracy uh, those things are very closely aligned. Yeah, I think that. I mean, liberal democracies are in a fragile state, and I, I think also, I mean, related to that. So, like, part of the problem with capitalism, I guess this is related. I think that what innovation is going to do is make more and more people that feel useless. So, like, think right. about think about this. Think about sort of the populist rise right. in this country, in certain parts of Europe. And some of that is because, again, of displaced workers. Okay, right. so imagine, like, right now, everybody in Silicon Valley, the thing, to, everything is about uh, you know, driverless vehicles, right? Right. What happens in, and this is going to happen in 10 to 20 years, what happens when we have driverless 18-wheelers? So there's this $50,000, $60,000 job of millions of people, mm. millions of people, right? A, a still a livable, functional job. Gone. Well, just driverless cars. Um, you know, how many people make a living selling cars? Right, right. How many people make a living servicing cars? Yeah. Uh, how many people make a living along the whole idea? I mean, there still would be... Rest well, even the electric car is going to like it's going to drastically cut down on maintenance. Like Absolutely, it will. Yeah. I mean, all these things. So then you have this class of like people that don't have work, don't feel meaning, feel like their life has meaning, and then you compound that with sort of the Charles Taylor secular thesis where we don't have a shared fabric of meaning. Right. So there's all this sort of nihil. And Cornell West in Race Matters, the older book in the '90s, said that he thought nihilism was the number one social problem in America. That might be an overstatement, but it's, I mean, it is an issue that like, sure. meaninglessness. So you have like existential meaninglessness with socioeconomically dysfunctional, huge classes of people. Right. That's like not a good recipe for well, I, anything. Yeah. I mean, you see, uh, for instance, what was the, like the unemployment rate Now you haven't seen in Spain yet, but the unemployment rate among certain segments of uh, people under 30 in Europe is, is, um, is huge. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a huge problem. And I think, you know, reality, I mean, in a lot of ways, Trump's economic rhetoric, at least bringing back coal, bringing back uh, <laughs> industrial jobs. Coal. Coal. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. All right. Um, yeah, that really is just a, and appealing to people who care about it is just a total disillusional it has nothing. It has nothing to do with the reality of what's going on right now. But most jobs were have been lost because of technology. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just, and it's and it's economically in capitalist society. It's if you downsize, the, your stock value goes up. So yeah, so you have these kind of yeah. These, what happened? Like all those tax, all that tax cuts the rich. How did that help? Right, right. Because it's not like it helped it, the stock market because they re, they yeah. they're buying stock. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, again, not that we. I mean, the jobs. It's not that there aren't a lot of jobs being created and stuff, but like the there's quality job, and also like you have this, you know, my friend Chris and I were talking. He was telling me a lot, a lot about stuff in France. I didn't know, but he's like, well, the, the the economy. It's like the laws in France make it so difficult to fire someone, right? Right. That people often are very sheepish to hire people. Right. Unlike here, we're like, oh, our numbers are up. Let's hire more people, and we'll just let them go. We'll if it doesn't, we'll lay them off. So, so that's. I mean, it's a very dynamic economy, but it also is. A thing where, like, the days where you get you have a job and often have it for decades, and even without a college education, you can sort of bank on right. You, those are those kinds of realities for people are just disappearing. Yeah, and that started disappearing really in the eighties. Yeah, you know, with the with the massive downsizing of corporations taking out the whole middle management thing, and in, in some levels, um, 
technology has eliminated whole administrative jobs. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't need a you don't need admin people the way you used to need them. No, I mean and think about this too, and all and uh, like outsourcing. Like H and R blocks, have, like they're out, they outsource tax stuff to India too. It's, it's again that will eventually be AI'd out anyway. Right, but like, right, yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, like what what about when they have AI that will just replace us? Well, and also they just do podcasts all day, like generate t- copies our personality, and that's it. We're done. <laughs> there's no more. There's well, no more bunk. Well, the interesting thing is uh, what I find now that's happened, and you know, I go back uh, was back in. Chambersburg, West Virginia, over the holidays, and the thing about first of all, coal country. When you're driving coal country now, you know what you, what you see? You see windmills. You see they're generating yeah, 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 air. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's where the power. That's where that's where that money's going. Uh, they're uh, and which is cleaner, so that's good. Uh, but it's it's hilarious that that whole rhetoric. But that, you know, and this has always been true, like in in urban situations, but and also like in the blue collar. You know, no one has one job. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah. doing to make in order to make a living. It's not only you need two people working. If you're, you know, if you are a, a household uh, more than yourself, but a lot of them have side things that they're doing as well. I mean, it's and there's a sense where. So I, I don't know that the quality to, to maintain, so we can keep buying stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, the amount of work that has to be done. It's it's you know I think there was a little bit of increase of wage increase. I thought happened. A little bit the last quarter, but that that's that's so far behind where it should be in terms of wage increases in this country. Yeah, no, I mean it's what we need is like to take every smart person we have in the world and like get them to figure out in the next ten years how far nanotechnology would get us in the next like five decades. So that if they if if it's it's like what some people think, then like a lot of these problems we can solve. But if not. It's bad. <laughs> well, right. So, and like, so and then, cor- and of course, you, let's say you get the, you got the you got the hundred most intelligent people in the world working on this. They put out the report, and some go, "Well, that's just your opinion." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's what you. Well, I don't think so. That's I, you'd have a you'd have Carlson. Uh, what's Tucker criticizing the elites on? Yeah, gosh, Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Every, I love he begins the show. So this is the show is the the enemy of pomposity, groupthink, smugness. I'm like, you're, you're not saying that ironically? That's everything the show is. Yeah, yeah that's right. Like, yeah, very soon he's just going to go straight to wearing the brown shirt. Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it, that show is nuts. Gosh, he is. Well, that's good. So that's there we go. Awful. This is a positive. So what we're saying, the long term is... Climate. That does not worry us, the fact that... Climate worries Some us. young people are leaving the show. I mean, it's not... Don't get me wrong. But you know who that, that hurts? Well, I mean, it hurts the institution. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it feeds into the dumbing down of the seminary education, which I like to rail against. But... Because there's fewer jobs. I mean, there's a, it, it feeds in each other because there's not money flowing to seminaries except, you know, places like Princeton and Duke and who still are you know, living off of dead people for the next hundred years, which is fine. Um, and we need those kind of institutions. Um, but I think people who don't go to church, it hurts them. It, it hurts them. I mean, that not, having, not having that kind of sense of something bigger than your own personal preferences, I think that's – I think that ultimately – And that, that the, is where I say I think the church – the decline of the church, it does become a concern. Not sort of the news users, but like for white people, I, I just know that studies on whites. I don't know if it's working. It might be working class whites or something. It's another PRI number, I think. But it, what, whether or not you're involved in a church or synagogue is hugely determinative of your view of the world. Is it like positive and your income? Like there's correlation, correlation is so strong. So like the, the lack of, and you know, there's not other, the decline of other institutions like unions and things like that, but also who are social, social, social. So I think, I mean, that is a tragedy in the sense of 
and the meaningless problem, the problem of meaninglessness and people displaced. I feel like that the sad part of the decline of the church is, is not just like, oh gosh, it's hard to be a minister now. Your attendance are slower. It's more like, gosh, it's sad that there's, that this is a, a, a context, you know, a place that, you know, if you're a Christian, you believe God is, is, is made exactly for a time, for such a time as this. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you don't take your kids to church, then they don't get to know people like Hattie Shirley, my maternal grandmother who loved kids and showed them Jesus, or Ralph Ankerbrand, this uh, guy that was just full of love and everyone loved my congregation, or Bill Nye, the first really thinking person I came across was a Christian who gave his time every week. To Not teach. the science guy. No, no, but it was taught, gave every week, gave his time every week to teach us ninth graders. Uh, um, you know, Alice Coltrider, who was the best Bible teacher in the church, um, better than any minister we had, uh, who spent hours of her time just learning the Bible. You, what happens is your kids are only getting whatever you tell them and whatever you put in front of them. They don't get models of— Yeah, there's not much intergenerational institutional life no. outside of the church, the synagogue, the mosque. The, there's not, no. not much at all. Some of the most powerful things that happened uh, in media were those intergenerational events. Yeah. Where, where I had—I remember having what you used to call the grumpy old men group. They were the, the senior craftsmen. But I had a guy in his 70s standing up beside uh, a, a high school kid, and both of them, you know, in tears talking about what they learned from each other in a week. Mm, yeah. And so that's, you know, you, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what crafts you do with them on Sunday morning or what Bible stories or even the biggest curse you can give them. We want them to discover their faith for themselves. You know, that's, when I was at, when I was at the, you might as well let them give them forks and let them play with electricity. That's about the same as, as oh safe. gosh. When I was te- we were when I was at the well, like I decided I, like, I, I like kids and I was like I'll teach Sunday school. It's like I hated that it was always like the moms that would teach Sunday school. I was like single people should I you know I don't have to deal with kids all week. Let them say. so. They were like okay, this craft has hot glue. I'm like you're kidding me. I'm just I'm considering it for when if no one's eyes burned out. Like, <laughs> I got seven kids in hot glue. You, this is immoral. Like. This is dangerous, dude. Yeah. So the moral of that is don't let Scott be the one in charge of the hot glue. I, not like, like the biggest <laughs> thing that stressed me out was crafts with kids. Like, oh, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, it's just, I, I would not, the, the <clears throat> directions were senseless to me. I can't like. But I you know, like, it's interesting to me. I mean, I used to always joke that I had one youth group left in me. I, uh, those of you who maybe knew the show, I started out in ministry doing youth work. Kind of, I was an accidental youth worker. That's another story. But, um, but you know, I've got a confirmation class. I mean, this little, nice. this, this, uh, Church that, you know, the first Sunday I was there, three years ago, there was one kid in the church. Now we've got a confirmation class. It's you. But it's, but it's a powerful thing. To, I mean, gosh, you know. And this church, part of the reason there's a confirmation class is because, you know, these people, um, you know, they kept Sunday school class going because they love kids. Even um, some of them grandparents, maybe one of them great-grandparent, but they just love kids. And and uh, by the grace of God, we have something. But what I'm saying is, if you don't have your kids in church, they don't get that. And right, I'm, right. There, yeah, there's not. There are very few institutions that replicate that. I think the other thing too is is you don't learn forbearance. You don't learn the messiness of faith. I mean, you're just you're just left with your own messiness and your own indignation. Uh, and unfortunately, you are the one who's left to give yourself uh, absolution, which it doesn't really work that way in the Christian yeah. faith. So. You think you think you get intergenerational stuff in like a militia, like, <laughs> like maybe like well maybe the volunteer the, the volunteer fire company yeah maybe yeah. that maybe yeah. the volunteer fire company so yeah well thanks everybody this is uh, we have hope we're not yeah we're not yeah. without hope no I, I actually I mean I think 
as long as the species is around, God will still be working. With Absolutely. Us. So, but uh, but those are three big things that I think are dramatically they actually problematic. Like seven. Huh? We had like seven if we probably listed it, but but uh, yeah, I guess the three. I guess a lot of more sub were sub subgroups groups of, of capitalism other, yeah. and things like that. And yeah, the, and the fall of democracy. But yeah. uh, keep the faith and um, keep fighting. Yeah, Good amen fight. to that. All right. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless.